Hi, everyone. Dr. Elizabeth Bonet here and Dr. Liz. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. I hope you like what you hear. And if you do, please share it with a friend or family member. If you would like to get some free hypnosis files, then that's really easy to do. I offer one to reduce fear and anxiety, another one to increase emotional stability, and a third for a better pregnancy and birth. So you can get those over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com. That's D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. Or you can text the word hypnotize to 444-999. That's the word hypnotize to 444-999. I think it's like such an easy way to join the newsletter. That's why I offer it. Before we go into today's episode, I do need to say the podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment, nor should it be. If you need psychotherapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional. Now, I do do hypnosis all over the world. That's done through Skype or WhatsApp, or sometimes someone has a U.S. phone number or a calling card type thing. Whatever it is, we work it out. But if you'd like to see how to work with me or learn more about me, whether you're local or from afar, you can do that over at my website. That's drlizhypnosis.com. I offer a free 15-minute telephone consultation. So that's a great way to get a sense of what it would be like to work with me and to ask any questions you may have about that. You know, sometimes people decide to fly in and see me and they'll do a intensive couple of days and then they'll vacation here because I am in South Florida, which is really nice most of the year. Fort Lauderdale is right above Miami. So we have beautiful beaches and gorgeous water that's warm to swim in. So people really enjoy that. All right. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone. Dr. Liz here, and I am back with some new episodes. I'm so happy about that. I did take a break in August 2019 because all of my attention was going to helping my oldest daughter launch. She is studying abroad for her first year in Florence, Italy. Flew from Miami to London, got stuck in the airport there because her flight was canceled, and it brought up all these questions about how do you help yourself what do you expect in the world? All of these things. I had said to her before she left that people want to help you. Well, after about 24 hours of no sleep and a conversation with her, she said, mommy, nobody wants to help me here. And so we had a discussion about that. I think it, it fits really well with what you're going to hear on today's podcast with my guest, Dr. Capri Cruz, who was a foster child and grew up as a foster child and later went into the military and then was unhappy in the military. She was in it for a really long time and decided to go back to school and change her life. And she helps people and kids all over the world change their life, even from dire circumstances. And certainly getting caught in an airport is nowhere near a dire circumstance, okay? Not in this case, at least, right? Not in like the London, England. It's not a dire circumstance. But um, 
but it, but it does bring up the questions of mindset and how do you get unstuck and how do you help yourself and how do you internalize those values and how do you shift them in your own life? So Dr. Cruz is going to talk about that. So I hope you enjoy the interview. It is really interesting what she's done with her life. So let's jump in. I'm here with Dr. Capri Cruz, and I'm happy to have you on the podcast. Welcome to Hypnotize Me. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you very much. So let's just jump in with some of your background. I was on your website. I'm reading some about your history, and you have a really interesting background, both professionally and personally. So where would you like to start with that? Oh, gosh. Well, um, today I'm a hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what I realize at this point in my life is that when people think of their lives and they may find themselves in a place of struggle or a place of unhappiness, that it's important to understand that those moments of um, what I kind of call pressure, it put, life puts a little pressure on you, whether it's unhappiness or financial um, struggles. Um, those are signs to kind of lead you in a direction toward the things that you're supposed to be coming one with. And for me, the pinnacle was hypnosis. Mm. So how did you find hypnosis? I think I was in Georgia and yep, I was in Georgia. So I'm prior military. I spent 20 years in the military. So I've traveled extensively. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes it takes me a moment to remember where I was. Uh -huh. <laughs> <When> <laughs> Understandably. Was yes. So I was in Georgia and I had just finished a tour in Hawaii and I love Hawaii. Hawaii is good for my soul. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hawaii is beautiful and just nature abounds. And so I was getting into massage and guided meditation and yoga and personal, just really personal health. Um, and I had left my last domestic abuse relationship. So I was really spending time with myself and really getting to know myself and healing my trauma and just renewing myself. Mm -hmm. And um, So I'm going to stop you there. You said something significant. What branch of the military first? The Navy. The Navy. Okay, yes. so you're in Navy for 20 years. Yes. Wow. And then... It was quite a... A thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> the Navy for 20 years. I'm yeah, sure. it was an experience. Absolutely. And then you said you had left your last domestically violent relationship. Had you had, had multiple? Yes. I did because I grew up in foster care. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any parents. Um, well, I had parents, but I didn't have relationships with parents. And I didn't have any healthy um, parents or mentors or really anyone that was in my life that could teach me um, really how to develop and how to make good choices and mm -hmm. what information I should consider and what what makes a quality person. So when I went into relationships, what I found is when I didn't understand what makes a good quality relationship and what a quality person was for myself and other people, then I, I didn't have any standards mm -hmm. 
for the people I got involved with. So I would get involved with men based off of um, instinct, uh, like being satisfied on an instinctual level. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, maybe they paid me a lot of attention. So that satisfied an emotion in me, gave me a false sense of um, self-esteem, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But the quality of that person really wasn't there. Mm-hmm. They just were very superficial. And um, people who are superficial often are very charismatic. And so I got involved with a lot of charismatic, superficial men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and the last one that I was involved with um, and that I broke up with him in Hawaii, he was extremely charismatic. He had a sense of humor. And to other people, he was cool you know he had like this coolness about him and he was um suave if you will and he just uh he was a good people person but in relationships he was very narcissistic and domineering and um and he was really outside of my age group which was very kind of indicative i was in my 30s he was in his 20s and for me it was indicative of where i was in my emotional age mm-hmm. I was still presenting myself as an immature 20 something when I was really in my, my thirties. And so it was really informative on the other side of my trauma. I I was really informed about myself at that time period, but I couldn't see it while I was in it because I had to do the work on myself. And that's where the, you know, when I broke up with him, that's where all the, you know, going to get massages, getting guided meditation. I was in therapy. I was doing yoga. I was running on the beach. I really became one with nature and um, swimming at nighttime was really healing for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so when I ended up going to Georgia after Hawaii, I met a hypnotherapist Mm. and I was studying to become a mental health therapist. I realized after having a session with her, there was so many breakthroughs that I had that I knew I needed to become a hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how that was led to me. Fantastic. Yeah. That's often how hypnotherapists, I think, find it is they, they have some kind of problem themselves that Mm -hmm. hypnosis helps with. Yes. And hypnosis is where I, I, and and not just hypnosis, but retraining my brain. So I had been doing hypnosis on myself over the years and I didn't know it Mm -hmm. because it it looked different. What do you mean? So it it was really um, self-hypnosis I was doing and I was just reprogramming my brain different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't really understand the fundamentals really were hypnosis. That's what I was actually doing. And so when I came into session with my hypnotherapist, the modality was more structured, Mm -hmm. right? So I had been doing the guided imagery and it was like, I was in the ballpark with guided imagery, Mm -hmm. but the um, post-hypnotic suggestions and things like that, she gave me a little bit, but she wasn't a hypnotherapist, so she was just planting seeds in my mind. And so when I did the hypnotherapy, it kind of all came together because it was more um, expansive and in-depth, and I could see the bigger picture. Oh, I got it. Okay. So you were doing like guided visualizations and imagery, mm-hmm. and um, I think a lot of people do that, right? And yes. really realize that it's a, 
it is a very similar process to self hypnosis, mm-hmm. except that you're not often getting those deeper suggestions. Right. The modality of hypnotherapy is, you know, it's more concise and specific. Yes. Where what she was doing, she was just giving me a massage. She was a masseuse. Mm -hmm. So she was giving me a massage and leading me into a guided imagery. Mm -hmm. Um, And the issue I was having was um, I held all of my stress in my calves Mm. to a point where when I was driving, I couldn't press the gas pedal for longer than maybe two or three seconds. Wow. Yes. As you can imagine, causing me huge problems yeah. because I would have to switch feet so often oh, as I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, okay, I got to do something about this problem. And I thought it came from the heaviness of my boots because military boots are um, quite heavy. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think the ligaments in my knee were beginning to be, um, be tested. Mm-hmm. And so all of the pain from my knees and from the stress in my shins needed to be released. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I was like, okay, I'll just go get some massages. And I just so happened upon this lady who was really phenomenal. Um, She was a yoga instructor. So she was very keen to these other modalities such as guided meditation and Mm -hmm. imagery and all this kind of thing. And she would take me to this beautiful place mentally. And, um, and then I don't know if she instructed or if I just was intuitive enough to know that I'm releasing the stress out of my body. I presume that she would tell me, you know, release all the stress Mm -hmm. and, um, and it, and it was working. I was like, okay, but then it would come back. Mm -hmm. But, But when I went to hypnosis, um, in Georgia and I sat in a, a technical situation, you know, the, like, the real deal hypnotherapist situation, I understood it on a different level and it worked differently for me. And so I asked the lady and she said, well, if you want to become a hypnotherapist, there's only one school I recommend and it's in California. Mm. And um, I was like, well, dang, I'm in Georgia, you know, and I definitely didn't want to learn hypnosis online because I think there's just too many online you know, certain things I don't think should be learned online and hypnosis is one of them. And, um, and so I just kind of left it alone. Um, I think I researched it a little bit. Um, and then it just so happened about five years later, my daughter came to school in LA. And so here we are. And the week I arrived, I enrolled in HMI, which is the school I graduated Mm -hmm. from. It's a nationally accredited hypnosis school. I couldn't wait to get started. And I finished my academics this month. So I'm a certified hypnotherapist now. Wow. Okay, great. Great. Yeah, that is a a very well-known school. I think. Oh, is it? Okay, yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. And there's all kinds of ways to be certified and and trained in hypnosis in person Mm -hmm. in all kinds of areas. Like obviously California is not the only place just for the listeners benefit. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, but it, that is a good school. It's considered. And I only preferred that particular school because my hypnotherapist suggested it. Yeah. And so I put the association of how good she was yes. with me mm-hmm. and how effective her techniques were with the fact that she graduated. So in my mind, I only could graduate 
from that school. I didn't even want to consider any other options because I associated it with her. And, um, but you know, life has led me here. And I find that life is fascinating back to what we were talking about with, um, with people, if they find that they're unhappy or that life is putting pressure on them, um, I believe that it's these are signs, these are red flags that something needs to shift in our life, that we're not in alignment with something. Because for me, when I'm in alignment with my true calling, there's a there's a connection there that is not painful. Mm-hmm. And um, absolutely, and so, it feels more at ease. It feels right. Like- like you're in the flow yes. of what your purpose is. Like mm-hmm. it's for me, I feel energetically in alignment because there isn't any resistance. There is like things just kind of lined up. For instance, how is it that I actually live 20 minutes away from this school and it's a direct drive from my house on the highway Mm -hmm. takes me 15 seconds to get on the highway Mm -hmm. and then well maybe to be fair maybe a minute Uh (laughs) and then (laughs) once I'm on the highway it's a direct shot like it's like I don't know 10 exits away or something and then as soon as I get off the exit it's another minute at the most to get from the exit to the school and I just was blown away and I love when life kind of um you know, whether you call it the law of attraction or, you know, serendipity. I love when it shows up like that because it reinforces that you're in the right space. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's synchronicities line up. Yeah. And it makes life fascinating. When thing when we listen to that pressure guiding us, like, okay, I need to do something different here. What is it? Which way should I be going? Mm -hmm. And when we get on the right path, I find that life starts opening up for you. You meet the right people, things start happening, like me living 20 minutes away from the school. And it makes life fascinating. It's like, I'm in awe of life Mm -hmm. all the time because I'm like, wow, okay, how did this actually happen? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And it's, it's um, some things I can't explain and some things I just resign to, um, really the law of attraction, you know, it's something energetically uh, that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I didn't think about it so much that it became resistance. It was just something in my spirit that I knew I wanted to do, whether it's go to this school or something else. And I find the things that show up in my life, I've manifested quite a few things from houses to people to the school and living in LA. Uh, I find that it's when I resonate with something on an energetic level, but I don't overthink it and, and put so much pressure on myself that resistance starts showing up or frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I can just know that this is something I want and I kind of, you know, easily go about my life and maybe I look forward a little bit and then I go off and get back into the routine of what it is I'm doing at the moment, life kind of allows it to show up. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that um, it makes life kind of like a an amusement park for me. I'm always having fun. <laughs> I bet, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you're you're much more like not that problems don't arise; they do. But oh like yes, I do have my out. challenges. Yeah, it's all going to work out eventually. Yeah, and I think what it does for me is it gives me greater hope. Because I, I have these other things working for me, 
I believe everything works for you, but um, I have these other things that uh, I guess just manifest in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it gives me hope that, that, you know, there's more to come, even it, despite my challenges, mm-hmm. um, and we all have them, I know there's more good stuff to come. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to continue riding this ride, you know, yes. and see where, where it leads me next. Yes. Well, I imagine at, at some point you came to that because my mother was a social worker for 20 years or so when I was growing up actually in Texas. Foster kids, they often don't have hope. Right? It's like they they sometimes become hopeless. Like, how's my life going to go? How am I going to get through this? Who is ever going to love me? That type of thing. So how, did you find that yourself as well, that at some point you felt that way as a child? And then... Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, it sounds like you found a, a greater purpose to your life that gives you hope. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, as a child, um, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were asking me about growing up and I was telling them I grew up in, um, you know, grave pro- poverty, mm-hmm. right? I, I grew up in the projects of the Lower East Side in New York. That's what I was born into. But I didn't have an awareness that we were poor, right? Mm -hmm. So that concept hadn't been introduced. So I didn't have anything to compare where I lived yet. So I didn't know I was poor. And I didn't understand my parents were substance abusers. Um, And so I didn't didn't know certain things because I was a child. And then when I was put into foster care, um, I didn't know how I was supposed to be treated but I knew I wasn't supposed to be treated the way I was being treated because it hurt uh, emotionally, physically, and, and you know, the rest. Um, and then as I became a teenager, I got glimpses of how other people lived and how their families treated them. Um, and at some point I became homeless and I ended up moving in with a girlfriend um, until her mom kicked me out and I saw how her family interacted. Mm-hmm. So I began to gain an awareness that I was missing some stuff. So up until about age 15, it was predominantly suffering mm-hmm. and pain and abuse. And so when you don't know what else is out there, I'll just say me, because I didn't know what else was out there, I just was trying to not feel what I was feeling mm-hmm. because it hurt. It was painful. But I couldn't, even though I didn't know the alternative way of living and the alternative way families should be treating their children and things of that nature and their grandchildren, I still suffered the consequences of my parents and my foster parents' behaviors and the environment that I was put in. So up until about 15, I really was, for lack of a better term, the victim of my environment. Mm As I went on, um, it took me another, I don't know, maybe 20 years to learn how not to become a victim or not how, mm-hmm. how not to be a victim, rather. Um, but despite my parents not having better knowledge or better intentions or whatever, life, unfortunately, um, 
sometimes makes you suffer the consequences of generations before you and, and the environment you grew up in. So I still had to live a life of suffering those consequences, regardless of, you know, the good person that I was. And so part of that is not having hope. Part of that is having to learn how to process my trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of that was being exposed to cigarettes and alcohol. And then therefore I picked up smoking and drinking as um, what I thought was just cool and fun. And then it became a coping skill later on. Mm -hmm. So our environment and our upbringing, even though we don't deserve the negativeness of it all, we still have to face the consequences even though they weren't directly related to our actions. And that yes. can be very yeah. I have a daunting. Mentor. Absolutely. I have a mentor who, who said at some point, and I tell my clients this too, we're not responsible for causing all those problems from our childhood, mm-hmm. right? We're not. We didn't cause them. Exactly. We, they, we inherited them, as you said. Mm-hmm. But we are responsible for cleaning them up. Yes. Yeah, and that's what you're it talking about. It is our about. responsibility. And, you know, speaking of that um, philosophy, that's really when my life started shifting. Mm-hmm. Because as I was attending college to become a psychotherapist, mm-hmm. I was learning about different modalities. And I learned about being a solution-focused therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a modality called solution-focused therapy. And I said, I want to be a solution-focused therapist. I first took on the mentality and then I took on the persona. And I just started focusing on solutions. Mm -hmm. I didn't focus on my pain and, and all of the details of it all because I had been doing that in therapy and through my journaling and all these other things. And it wasn't getting processed properly. Mm. I was just kind of reliving it and going through the cycle, kind of like a hamster. Mm -hmm. But when I said, I want to be a solution-focused therapist, I began to solve my life's problems. Yes, yeah. And I came up with a philosophy. It probably wasn't mine originally, but I said, I want to be responsible for everything in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I came across a lot of resistance with other people because they said, well, I'm not going to take responsibility for what other people have done to me. And I didn't know how to articulate it at the time, but it's exactly that. We're not taking responsibility for causing it. We're taking responsibility for cleaning it up. Yes. And that changed my life because it shifted me um, in a different direction. Absolutely for perspective purposes. Yeah. Was that part of you being able to access hope? Like, no, things can change here. I don't have to live like this anymore. I don't have to be in abusive relationships. I don't have to do X, Y, Z. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It was as if I had just had enough. What I find in life is you could read 20 books, but it's not really the 20 books that are important. It's the nugget, the one or two things that each of those books is going to present to you or the, you know, maybe a philosophy or something. And it is that one or two things that I've come across in my life that has really made the significant shifts in my life. And that's one of them, becoming a solution-focused person. Because once you declare I'm a solution-focused person, you don't tolerate all the other stuff anymore. You're like, this is a problem. I need to solve it. 
Mm-hmm. It becomes very as a matter of fact. So you want to make sure you stay in touch with your, you know, your softer side, your compassion, because you don't want to have a hardened heart and just become this robotic solution focused person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, sometimes it does work. Yeah. The feelings are important. And I, I often say like, you need to sit with the feelings. They give you information. Mm -hmm. You need to check in with them. But then what information are they giving you? Let's figure out what to do with them now. So that's when you move to solution. Absolutely. Yes. And I love what you just said that um, our emotions are there to inform us, not to lead us. Mm -hmm. People often get led by their emotions. But for me, I find now that I understand my emotions inform me and then I have to make a decision from my mind, Mm -hmm. not always from my heart. My heart is informing me this is something I need. Let's say I meet a guy and, and he's making me feel great. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I could easily fall in love. Right. But I have to pause there. This is what I've learned. I have to pause and say, okay, my, my emotions, my heart, whatever it is, is informing me that this feels good. This is something that maybe I'm, I need in my life, but then I have to stop there and say, okay, let me think about this. And that's the part people sometimes don't do. They go with their emotions and they don't think first. Yeah, I think some of that also depends on your history. Like I've been in abusive relationships too. And I think it's a really important point for people, men or women, or however you decide to define yourself. Non-binary, I think they say these days, right? It's an important point for people who have been in abusive relationships and have that history. It's like you you do have to weigh both. If you have a different history, if that's never been your case, if you always could trust your intuition and and what Mm -hmm. feels good, that's a different process. But I think absolutely it's a process that people have to check in with. But I had another thought around that in terms of generally when you meet someone who you do see red flags that come up, right? Like there is a moment sometimes when you're like, this person actually doesn't make me feel great. But what happens with people who get into abusive relationships is they tend to ignore those flags. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, no, well, it feels great 75% of the time. So I'm good, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I know for myself, hypnosis really helped go in and change the subconscious so that those flags were not ignored anymore. Those are primary. I could access wisdom more. And that's what you're talking about. Like, let me check it with my heart, my mind, the combination of those two are wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that becomes important, really important. Absolutely. And um, so I call it being awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The first chapter of my book of Maximize Your Superpowers is the superpower of awareness. Mm -hmm. Because what I learned in my own life was I wasn't aware of certain things because no one had ever taught me. And this is the conundrum foster children get caught in. Because if you don't have you know, where are you supposed to learn things at? Yeah. Right? You're supposed to learn from your family, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But if you don't learn the proper way to make decisions, if you don't learn the formulas for a good life, if you don't learn the qualities that make up a good person, then you lack awareness. You lack knowledge and then you lack awareness of that knowledge. Absolutely. And skill. I call that skill. Yeah. 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 And even if you're not in foster care, right, um, people, just people in general, if they're not taught, there's many people that weren't taught that aren't in foster care. And that's why they say common sense is not common because you, <laughs> right. you, know, right. you have to be exposed. Not. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm trained in dialectical behavior therapy, DBT. Oh, I love DBT. Oh my gosh. It's fantastic. But so much of it is skill. Right. And talking mm-hmm. about how to yes. make decisions, there's this one, they call it the dime game. You could use anything you want, pennies or dimes or whatever. But you go down this checklist and it's really about how to ask for something, whether you should ask for something and whether you should persist in asking for something. Mm. And you get like a dime for every point that you score on that checklist. And then if you're over, you know, 50 cents, something like that. It's like, okay, yes, you should ask for this. If you're at 60 or 70 cents, then you say, yeah, it's pretty important. Like you should be, let's say a little more persistent in asking for this instead of saying, Mm -hmm. you know, give up early or something. But anyway, I put this on the fridge for my kids and it goes into whether this is important, whether the person can actually give you what you're asking for. It goes all these different areas that, you analyze. Mm-hmm. No one ever teaches you that. How are you going to know it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's so important for us. And that's why I love going around and doing my public speaking with foster children and giving them, I have a nonprofit where I give them my books because they need this information. Yes. These poor children, awesome. you know, Mm-hmm. We don't have time to waste. You know, I lived 37 years before my light bulb started going off. Like, oh my gosh, I need to like, what have I been doing all my life? Uh-huh. You know, and I just started realizing I had an experience on um, this domestic abuse situation where the guy I was dating, he was holding me down on a couch and verbally taunting me and mm-hmm. bullying me and intimidating me. He was a huge intimidator. And I was a fighter. I was a, you know, thrower. I would throw things. I would, you know, defend myself because I grew up that way, having to defend myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in that moment when he was holding me down, I could not fight. All I could do was sit there and my brain had enough time to analyze the situation Mm -hmm. without being able to participate. And that was enough to break the cycle. That's what finally broke it Uh, off for me. And I said, you know, I didn't say in that moment, but you know, had I said something, (laughs) I would have said, oh, okay. Now I have an awareness of what my life is. Because in that, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 seconds, whatever it was, it was like my whole life was flashing before me. And I was like, holy cow. You know, and then I went off and, and, you know, I had this epiphany that everything in my life needed to change. In that moment, I understood without realizing, I think it was the awareness was showing up and I just needed consciousness of that awareness, which is what I got, you know, the next day that I was in an unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. I already knew that I was miserable in my career, but I began to realize that I could take control of my life, that I had personal power. So that 
also is what started to really increase my hope because at that point I was just existing. And so I was coping with life through drinking and smoking and was excellent at my job. I won awards being the best employee for the military for the quarter for the year. Mm -hmm. I was in the paper. I was an overachiever. Um, But I was miserable. And I was an overachiever in my education. But none of it was where I wasn't really aligned with anything. I was just dealing with life. I was coping. I was existing. And then when I realized um, what I realized in that moment of the domestic abuse, the next day I realized I had personal power. And that just exploded my hope because I started beginning to see the changes I could make. And when when you can see that you can make changes and it's possible, you might not know how, but you know it's possible because your spirit awakens to that possibility, to that energy, you become empowered. And later on, that's where, you know, the theory of me having superpowers came from, because I honed in on that a little bit. Yes. And that that's interesting, because often women in violent relationships will say, it was this small moment that Mm. just shifted everything for them. Yeah. And that was, it was similar when my in my first marriage, it was this moment where my ex-husband held me down and something about that. When he let me up, I said, you have two weeks to get out. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. I had asked him to move out for months and he had kept delaying. It was that moment more than any other, Mm -hmm. right? Which you could have all kinds of abuse going on, but sometimes it's just a small moment that clicks and you're like, I don't care what's going to happen. I'll figure it out. Because mm-hmm. you are more important than anything else at that moment, like right. your safety and your kids' safety if your kids are involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So tell the readers about your book. When did it come out? First of all, it sounds like you've been really busy. You actually have a couple of books, right? Yes. So, um, you know, ever since that situation with that domestic abuse situation, I was 37. So that was just like 10 years ago. And these last 10 years, my life has really exploded. Up until that point, I was still in the military and I hadn't done anything um, noteworthy except for I was in higher education and I was working on my master's degree. Since that point, I've published a couple books and a bunch of ebooks and um, opened a nonprofit and got very aligned with my calling in life. I've become a psychotherapist and a hypnotherapist and a public speaker and just all of these things. I've become in alignment with them mm-hmm. because um, I just realized, like you were saying, I, I gained hope and I started realizing I belonged somewhere else, that something else was available to me, that I could actually create happiness. And so life has become like an amusement park or a treasure chest for me. And so I'm always having a good time doing something new. Mm -hmm. Um, I never have a boring day in my life. There's never a day where I'm like, oh, gosh, what should I do today? Like it's never because yeah, I'm just like, okay, I've hit the oil vein, you know, you hit that oil vein and all the oil spurts out and it's like, okay, I hit that vein for my life. So my, my latest book, Maximize Your Superpowers, I'm so proud of it. It came at out actually last year this time. Okay. Um, I just celebrated my birthday this week and, um, 
Yeah, thank you so much. Actually, I believe I published it July 8th, which would be tomorrow of last year. Mm -hmm. It's just um, the evolution, you know, it represents to me the evolution of me, Mm -hmm. right? My first book was from foster care to fabulous and imperative movement, but not really just for me, but for the people who read the book, right? Mm -hmm. That they too can become fabulous in their life. And it was an imperative movement. And I'm so proud that I was that was spiritually led. That part of the title came to me spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it did because it, it really clearly identifies the commitment somebody has to have to change their life. Yeah. It has to be an imperative movement. Because if you're like, well, it's an option. I'll get around to it. I might get out of this relationship. I don't know because I got all these things I got to think about. How's it going to happen? Mm-hmm. No, you can't think like that. It has to be an absolute imperative movement to change your life. And so, you know, that message for foster children is so important to me that they can know that they can turn their life around to be fabulous. And it's got to be an imperative movement. And then Maximize Your Superpowers um, was released six years later. And it just kind of represents a deeper level of myself that I've become uh, aligned with. Mm -hmm. And it's not just myself, it's things that I've learned, right? So I have the superpower of your awareness, um, but I also have the superpower of your voice, Mm -hmm. understanding that I have a voice and that that is very powerful. And if I use my voice with a particular intention, then it becomes a superpower. Absolutely. Yeah, speaking by itself is just noise, right? Mm -hmm. But when you have an intention and you have a purpose and, you know, you have these other things, you know, the other superpowers I talk about, and you bring all this stuff together, you become a very powerful person. And now, now your life looks different, Mm -hmm. right? Now you never have a boring day ever. You're never confused. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're on a mission in life. Right, right. (laughs) Well, fantastic. Tell people how they can find you, your website, or whether they can find the books on Amazon. Yes, my website is capricruise.com. I was smart enough to make it real simple Uh (laughs) (laughs) early on when I didn't know anything about what I was doing. And I just want people to know it's, it's an evolution of who you become. Go through life, not so much frustrated, but excited about the changes and excited about the journey and excited about the mystery of it all that's in front of you. People often fear the unknown, but you know, you don't have to fear it. Just be guided by your emotions and think logically to make your decisions and create yourself. And that's kind of what I did. If they go to CapriCruise.com, they're going to see I was just published on the Oprah magazine and um, Mm -hmm. I've been on CBS and um, Arrington Huffington's website, Global Thrive Global. So that is the journey I want people to know that they can just create for themselves. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. And pro-hypnosis, if you all have issues in your life that you want resolved, the resolvement comes through the subconscious mind. You have to resolve it on a subconscious level. Mm -hmm. Don't waste your life in the conscious mind trying to change things. I wasted many, many years trying to do it on on a conscious level. It's not till I learned about the subconscious mind that deep shifts started happening. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. We'll end right there. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace.